throughout the movements of Scripture as we look at it as one entire story, there are several themes that emerge within it that I would refer to as trajectories. Ways that the kingdom of God continues to break into the presence. And the question we must all ask ourselves is, are our lives falling in line with the trajectories of the kingdom of God as it comes into this place? And as the story unfolds, even at the close of the canon, it's like there's an arrow pointing forward saying, will you join in this movement because this is where this is headed? And that eternal life is not something for the follower of Christ that will simply be tasted upon death, but rather there are moments, there are points where it breaks into the present. Will you understand and participate in the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and in the things of eternity, not simply in the moment after you take your last breath? But will we be the light of eternal life already now as Christ breaks it in? One of the great questions that was asked over and over and over again by you in the survey we asked is, I don't know how to be faithful to these things that God's calling us to when I leave this place. There are so many complexities in the world, and I don't know what to do with them all. This morning, collectively, we're going to look at just one of those. One of the great movements, what Jesus does when he comes, is he takes those who are voices in the periphery, in the margins of society, and he puts them back in the center. One of the things that we need to continue to do as God's people is to look at who are the people who have been pushed at times to the margins within our own culture. Which voices do we need to hear from that Jesus would put back at the center? In order to help tell that story in words and in an authority that I simply cannot, I've asked a variety of students um, representing different minorities to be able to share with us their story this morning in terms of what it feels like, just in their own personal perspective, to be part of this community at Dort and some of the challenges that that's brought. Juan, will you start us off, please? Good morning. I'm Juan Pablo Benitez Gonzalez from Asuncion, Paraguay. It is a little ironic to speak about racism or prejudice or prejudice when you're holding a microphone and standing in front of a crowd. If I'm claiming inequality, shouldn't I be on the other side of the context, pledging for my voice to be heard? Shouldn't I be the kid sitting passively, the kid that passed a notice in the crowd? The kid whose worth is not recognized by the community. But I'm not. I'm a minority, but not, I'm not discriminated. I'm the one holding the microphone. I'm the one whose words are heard and read. People greet me as I pass by. Professors know my name. Friends call me to hang out. I'm another privileged one. It does not matter anymore that I'm a foreign, that I have an accent, that I do not look like everyone else. It has been a long time since the days I need to prove my worth, since the days I would awkwardly say hi and be ignored, the moments in which my comments were followed by a silence as if words were never uttered. It's no longer usual for me to hear comments or jokes that make me feel less, words that make me feel unworthy. Status, hierarchy, exceptionalism, exacerbated nationalism, popularity, coolness. These are all different definitions um, for attitudes that are rooted in the same conception. The conception that somehow there's something 
that make us better than other people. This conception is real. It exists. It causes hurt and pain. Sometimes we're victims. Other times we're oppressors. We judge people according to our concept of worthiness. We deny their intrinsic God-given value. By hanging out with you, what do I have to gain? I usually ask that utilitarian question in my head as people walk by my side. Then I remember what my mom used to tell me. You don't have to be best friends with everyone, but you have to be Jesus to everyone. It hurts to be invisible. It hurts to be silent. But despite the fact that this is not my reality anymore, I can still claim that it is hard to be a minority. It is hard to be away from home. It's not easy to be an international door college. Not because people reject me, but because there are some aspects of my identity to which I have to renounce in order to fit. Because most of my friends would avoid making some comments or they would watch their words, not because they think that their conception of feeling better than me is wrong, the conception that being American is somehow a valid upper status, but because they know that when they made those comments before, I felt offended and confronted them. Step out. Reject to be invisible. Make your voice heard. Do not allow people to make you feel less. But above everything, be graceful and forgive. Maybe you can be best friends with everyone, but for sure, you can be Jesus to everyone. Thank you. Yannick Mucho Haimana from Rwanda, Kigali. I never feel more African in my life than adored. <laughs> Mainly because of the fact most people do know little about the African continent. Personally, I never faced any racial mistreatment or abuse adored. But coming from Rwanda, a small country in East Africa, and being a minority adored have been a bittersweet experience. But in the overall, God has made this an interesting and learning experience. It has been bitter because I had people asking me questions like, do you guys in Rwanda have ice cream? When they will see me eating one, or do you guys in Rwanda have cars? Or have you ever drove a car? At the time, I would hear people saying to each other, you better finish that plate because there are some kids starving in Africa. And one day, I made one of the silliest jokes I could ever make. I said, I rode elephants back home to go to school. <laughs> to my surprise, almost everybody believed it. <laughs> honestly, those, and many more, but honestly, most of those questions and comments made me sick in a sense. Because I realized that when it comes to the Africa, African continent, most people adored picture the continent as a jungle. Or a place where by five cents a day you can save a kid. But after a while, I could understand their perspective thanks to my friend who made me realize by how only showing only starving kids and war in Africa or advertising sufferers, the media only isolates 
and mislead most people in America. Now I'm more open to those questions because I believe college is a place to learn and I feel like I've learned a lot from you and I still do. To learn about the US, Korea, Canada and many more countries and cultures have been a blessing for me and I feel it's a fair game to teach my culture and my continent to those of you who know little about it. Adding to that, most of these questions are innocent within themselves. It has been exciting just to be confronted as, uh, to be confronted to all of you from different culture, different, with different perspective and learning your culture and beliefs. And starting at Dort, it become a burden because people see you as a country and some as a continent. But now, it motivates me to better myself. But in the overall, I came to realize no matter where we come from or who we are or what's our nationality, we are all broken and we all need and seek Jesus to fill our lives. And these have been very richening for me. I hope it will be as well for you guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Erica Hughes, and I'm from California. <laughs> um, I hope to recite a poem for you guys today. I have to remind myself the racism here is not malicious, although the pain from it makes me want to impose a motive. That's what ignorant racism feels like, an evil motive. Two white hands reach from my head like I'm an animal they've never seen before. I remind them of the people they see on TV, except this one doesn't curse every other word, not like the woman speaking, ain't nobody got time for that. Black-skinned people are presented as weaklings. Like they brought the slaves over on a boat, people bring black children over on planes, hoping the black Americans won't want them to explain why there is a death, on, there is a death wish on black American children. People would rather I go unheard, especially when speaking of oppression. They say, we've got African children, their pictures on our walls, drawing lines between racism with good intent and racism with no intent at all. Black people no longer rock around with physical scars. The, the mass ain't making us bleed no more. I watched hot tears stream down her face because the issue of race makes black people want to hate everybody with a white face. Not because it's nature, but because lack of pigment makes all perspectives of history erase, and empathy's spot is replaced by hostility and open Bible. Like the massa preached to my ancestors, white people keep telling me that I should be grateful, but my heart bleeds from the statistics that tell me who I am. I'm only 48% likely to receive a college diploma. I'm 50% less likely to become a man's wifey. Black women make up 13% of the female population and have 36% of all American abortions. So I cry. I cry because it was a Dutch man who recited the Heidelberg Catechism who helped me out of spiritual prison. So I weep. I weep because it was a white Calvinist woman who met with me each week so I wouldn't lose my feet in the arena we call academia. So my confusion stems from the white people who abuse me and the white people who show me love. My native African and more than likely European blood are at war within me and the sea of faces has no empathy. 
And I've never felt so black in my life fighting, up, fighting back pent-up anger and strife when a man yelled at me in class like, what are you doing for your people? Since when, did I, since when did all dark-skinned people become mine? Did I make them, shape them, die for them? There has never been a time when I own myself. I belong to my English granddaddy Hughes and my Dutch granddaddy who named my mother Island because he didn't want to give her his last name. His, so we might be cousins. So once Abe Lincoln signed the emancipation that would later take his life to the ghetto and hoods, the rejected and free niggers marched. Again and again they marched. Like they marched, I do. I march to class hoping the professor doesn't bring up racism, homosexuality, and immigrant minorities. Because I'm pretty sure someone's going to say $400 a month is enough to feed a family. Because I'm sure someone's going to say the issues in the ghetto only happen because the black people act a certain way. Because I'm tired of getting emails after I comment that black men are 20% more likely to be shot dead. No wonder black spirituals sing renditions of Lord have mercy on us. Because our brothers have forgotten us. Our brothers have taken away the sanctity of the very humanity God bestowed on us. Why, God, why am I left in this predicament? I am less than the human. All we are used for are slam dunks, booty drops, and music. Why does the world use us, kill us, excommunicate us? There is no place in the pews for us. And I watch the people, the ones Christians call mind smoke weed, trying to find healing for the scars left on our minds. Lord, they tell me slave mentality is a choice and not reality. I'm so tired of being spoken to for 20 minutes than being asked if I'm Kenyan. Please come and protect me from the comments. I didn't know the niggers work here. I just lump all black people together and come. Let's put them in a closet so that their teeth and eyeballs gleam. So I won't be tempted to smoke a blunt just so I can cope with the fact that I have black skin and a vagina. Instead, let my words be a witness to the son who was brown and who made me. Jesus, lead us back to your tree. Let us, let us ring the bell of freedom so the people from every nation, tongue, and skin color can have a place in the family of God. Lord Jesus, take me past the anger, the tears, the pain. Let me bear your marks, God. You did not bear my shame in vain. Bring us closer to each other, teaching us that suffering exceeds skin color. Help me bear with my sister, my brother, no matter her or his skin color. Holy Spirit, our Father, Lord, bring Jesus, bring us to our knees. Please forgive us. Thanksgiving turkeys, Super Bowl, Pop-Tarts, garbage disposal unit, or AKA, sink shredders, and even donut runs. These are some of the things I've never knew existed before coming to the United States for college. Hello, my name is Harry, a four-year student here from South Korea. Approximately two years ago, I set foot on this unexperienced continent. The only American culture I knew was through the lens of Hollywood movies, advertisements, and Facebook. I knew English, but not very effortlessly. You might think I sound pretty okay, but you'll soon discover that reading off a script is not an identical experience with unrehearsed personal communication. Like many of the students here, I left the nest of my family for college. 
Dort and the community of Sioux Center was quite the warm welcome for me. Out of my worries, the people were extra friendly, a lot more than I expected. No angry car drivers, no late night dangers or threats, no other significant discriminations to speak of in detail. I mean, you say hi to almost every stranger you pass by. Vivid smiles are a common display on people's faces. That is, excluding those nastiest winter blowing days and those crop fertilizing days. <laughs> Throughout my two years of my stay, I've traveled to the bigger cities in the States. They were com a complete change of um, mood and atmosphere. I don't know about anything else, but I miss the people of Sioux Center. Your smiles and open hearts assisted me to fit in not only as a student, but also as a respected friend and body. In my freshman year, my advisor, WOW staffs, RAs, international staffs, personal mentors, and the rest of the faculty always bombarded me with questions concerning my well-being. I didn't run out of people to ask for help. I ran out of struggles to share. What a college, I thought to myself. That is one part I want to personally express my appreciation and gratitude to Dort College and broadly the Sioux Center community. Being in a second culture is not easy, simply because of the fact that English is my second language. I had trouble getting involved as I have imagined it to be. I'm different in a lot of ways, and people know that. Every freshman tends to be scared to the new atmosphere of college, but for a minority from halfway around the world, that is even more difficult. It's not like we have an innumerable, innumerable diversity here. Apologies for maybe overgeneralizing, but Dort appears to be somewhat monoethnic and monocultural. I see a lot of Dutch people here. I mean, I love Dutch people, but being a minority is rough. No matter how interactive my personality may be, I cannot fully express myself. I cannot connect as much as I think. And this even sometimes led on to self-rebuke and self low self-esteem. And believe me, I'm not the worst of the Koreans. Most people are even worse. So many of the international students I know have to spend at least twice of the effort and time to stay on track academically. One thing I hope the people here would try and understand a little bit more is that we are trying. Without my dictionary on my phone and my laptop, half of the lectures don't even make sense. Without my, and slangs and idioms don't even pop up. If there's one thing that I would like to ask the campus of Dort, with due respect, it's not about changing your choice of vocabularies, nor bringing us more of our culture into Sioux Center, but simply, just simply, Please don't be afraid to approach us. We are here to learn, experience, and engage. But approach needs to be both ways. I've heard of some stories of people who fear to approach the international students, afraid of becoming a minority among us. We desire to be active participants in the school. We should try harder. But, the, but this preconception seems to get excessive at times, ending up as a one-sided approach. It's a simple favor to have a little bit more patience with us. Approach us. Build more personal communications. 
just go a little bit further than an average, how are you doing? Some of us crave to talk and share. We want to hear more of your stories, but sometimes I feel suppressed when the approach ends up as just one way. Even people from the same culture could build, build misunderstandings without efficient communication. Instead of leaving it up to our presumptions and judgments, let's talk. When, we, when I stop talking, it's not likely that I feel awkward. Simply, I don't know what to say. Sounds similar, but completely different intentions. We may sound different and funny, but when you get to know us deeper in a personal level, you'll found, find out that there are more amusing contributions that we can share further than just our accents. Thank you. Um, my name is Cameron Petrie from Dallas, Texas, and um, this is what life been like. This is what life has been like at Dort. Um, coming to Dort has definitely been an adjustment. What was an adjustment my freshman year, not only because it was college, but it was college in a world that I had never even known. It's completely different than anything I ever seen, and I'm from the states. Um, I never heard of Dutch Christian Reformed people. Um, never even been to this part of the Midwest. Never seen more than two inches of snow. <laughs> um, I hated it, but if I'm being completely honest with myself, I hated it because it was unfamiliar to me. It was outside of my comfort zone. Um, I felt like the outlier in the grand scheme of things, the most obvious reason my skin color. Um, outside of my skin color, I had different views, theologically different views uh, when it came to social issues, when it came to sports and competition, and many other random things in life. Um, but instead of running from the problem as I wanted to, um, I stayed, challenged myself. Uh, I wanted to leave after my freshman year, after the beginning of my freshman year, actually. I didn't like losing. Um, I'm a football player. <laughs> uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't like standing out like the way I did. And instead of that, uh, I challenged myself and you know, I said, let's make moves. Let's see what can happen. And I realized the reason why I didn't like it is because I didn't know it. And the reason why I feel like black people here feel like the Dutch don't like us is because you know, they don't know us. Um, I wanted to break all those stereotypes. And the stereotypes existed because we don't know each other. So we just have, uh, Preconceptions, I hope that's the right word. Um, so the thing is, you know, once I got to know people, I got to realize, wow, these people are really cool. Once they got to know me, they realized I'm really cool. I do have stereotypes. <laughs> I do have, you know, I do like fried chicken. I like watermelon. Um, but I can swim. I speak properly. I don't sag. I'm not in the game. Um, I, do it, I do what I need to do in the classroom. I love the Lord, I like music. And a lot of these things I feel like most people wouldn't think if like before they met me or some other people that they might meet on campus. Um, and so I think all I'd have to say is, you know, if anyone who's a freshman here, sophomore, minority or Dutch, you know, just reach out to people. 
Um, you'll learn a lot about yourself, as I did. You'll learn a lot about other people, and we can all grow as a community. So, like I say. God used diversity in the story of the Tower of Babel so that the cultures would spread throughout the earth and that his diversity would be celebrated. God made us with diversity within us because he himself is diverse within the Godhead. The fact that you and I look different is actually a representation of the fact that we are the image of God. I think more often than not, our prejudices are those that are sins of omission and not even necessarily commission. There are things we're too afraid to get involved in, and as you just heard from Cameron's voice as well, that which we don't know, we fill in with fear. Ignorance becomes the fertile ground for fear, and fear casts out love. If you and I are to claim the name of Christ, then this becomes our identity. When the confusion of the Tower of Babel is restored, when the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks at Pentecost, there is an unfinished Pentecost yet within us because these prejudices have not yet come down. And it is just like broken humanity to take every beautiful difference that God has ever made and use it to rank and file and classify people. The neighborhood that you live in, the car that you drive, the degree that you get. I heard somebody tell me this week on this campus, I was thinking of asking so-and-so out until I felt like they were out of my league. There is not an image bearer of God that is out of your league. We are all the same. Can you believe that we use that language and we don't even question it? If the trajectories that are established within Scripture about the breaking in of the kingdom of God have this picture painted for us of where it is that we are headed, then the more that we enter into that now, the more that we taste and see the kingdom of heaven already here and now. It's interesting to me that in the confusion and all the commentaries and the things that get written in the book of Revelation, and one of them has to do with the story of the 144,000. Everybody talks about this number and trying to make sense of it. It has to do with the the confirmation of the 12 tribes of Israel and the numbers who will be revealed and participating and part of the new Jerusalem. There's a number that is given, and yes, I think most of us would read that part of the story to say that it's metaphoric. It's not a literal number. It represents a fullness, a completion of God's plan. But the last line of God's call to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 is that so that you will be a blessing to the nations. Part of his very call in existence is to be a blessing of the nations. When Israel enters into the promised land, they're told, don't forget, you were once a foreigner in a strange land. And when there are those among you who don't sit at the center of the positions of power, remember these things. And we are all adopted as sons and daughters. So after the 144,000, this is the line that comes from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb. That's where this is all headed. The great multitude that nobody could care about from all the nations, the fulfillment of those promises that have been unfolding again and again and again throughout Scripture. And I want to challenge you and I want to ask you that when the Spirit reveals in Pentecost this vision for what humanity is supposed to be, the new humanity that is found in Christ that finds its commonality, our prejudices are not destroyed. They are not gone until when you see somebody, what you see within them is the image of God. There is more work yet to be done within us. And our sins still exist when a joke gets told and we either laugh or sit passively by and don't actively refute that or do something different. Sometimes our racism, our prejudices is exemplified in the fact that we'll move to a city and simply not want to be in a particular neighborhood. We'll buy into the structures of the world and we'll rank and classify the value of people based on the degree that they have, the money they make, the department that they work in, the neighborhood that they call home, the church that they attend, the denomination that's different than ours, or the list goes on. How pretty they are, how heavy they are, and we'll rank and class and divide. And every time we do, we fail to be the new humanity in Christ. When you leave this place, will you seek to be part of the new humanity and the movement in Christ? Will you choose a neighborhood to live in not because of comfort, but because the kingdom of God is coming in? Will you seek for equality of pay in your workplace between men and women because we've got progress yet to accomplish in Jesus' name? Will you be a voice that calls things out because the kingdom of God is at hand. We get to be about the things of eternity, ultimate things, because of who we are in Christ. Hatred only ever lifted up walls higher. You must take them down. You must take them down with tenacity and not sitting passively by. Our sins of omission in this category are great. We must do more. We must do more. Every comment you hear already on this campus, start warming up your heart. Someone who is classified different or less than because they're not as good looking as you would prefer. Not as smart. Not on the same program. Not on the same theological page. We are the new humanity together in Christ. There is no they and us. And every time we do that, we cause a dividing line. And every time we denigrate any aspect of someone's humanity, we slap the face of God with our words because we mock the creativity that he put in this place. We are called to be more. We are called to stand in the lines and stand in the gaps. Jesus will take that which is in the margins and put it back at the center. Will we stand with and be part of that? Will you be part of a voice of eternity already now? Will you challenge yourself already now to make walls come down. Because that is what those who are in Christ will do. May the voice of the Holy Spirit continue to unite us. May we find commonality in the fact that we bear his image. And may your identity, when we see each other and look into each other's faces, before we see a color, 
before we see difference, see the image of God, and then see differences as the celebration of his diversity and not the rank, the way the world uses. May those be your eyes. May those be the way that we see the world in great courage as we go forth. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we have so much to grow yet and so much yet to learn in you. We have each said and done things by race, by stereotypes, by ways that the world uses to mock your creativity and make it less than. Father, reveal to our own hearts where we simply need to repent where we simply need to repent because of what we have done and what we have left undone. Give us a new courage in your spirit that we might be your new humanity on display. Points of light for eternity breaking into the here and now. Empower us already to test and try this as a campus, to look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you please rise and receive a blessing? There is an unfinished Pentecost within you. The movements of the Spirit as you become the new humanity on display for the world. Points of light, voices of courage, that which will unify and not divide and destroy. In Christ, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, because we are the new humanity redeemed in Christ. Be that and be his light. Amen.